Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Eight Limbs Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Wagner, and I have a very special guest joining me today. I have Baba on, and we're going to fulfill a Patreon request to discuss Sai and Chai. And we're both very excited to get into this. How are you doing today, Baba? I'm good, thank you. And uh, thanks for having me again. So, thanks for joining always, me. Oh, no, no, thank you very much. If you guys haven't heard of Sai and Chai, he's universally recognized as one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters ever. Um, he's pretty clearly the greatest fighter of the last 20 or so years. Uh, the golden age of Muay Thai was in the kind of the 80s to early 90s era. And Sai Chai is basically the standout fighter after the golden age. He's accomplished pretty much everything in Muay Thai. Uh, he won, I think, five, five Lumpany belts, was it? He won a belt yeah. at... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's five, I, I believe. He won a belts at 115 and 118 in the late 80s, really early in his career. And then later on in 2005 to 2010, he won a couple up at 130, 135 pounds. And one of the things that makes Sian Chai so great is the that jump in weight. He started off at 115, and then very quickly after the, the first couple years of his stadium career, he went, started going up in weight and fighting, fighting really big guys, giving up a lot of weight. I think there were only a couple times that he lost uh, between like 2000 and 2010 when he wasn't giving up a weight advantage. Yeah, that's probably that's probably that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every time, I think most of the times, once he was to prominence, he was only always giving up weight, but still managed to win almost every time, like you said. So it's incredible because I don't know if any other fighter did that. In the history, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think as far as I know, Sainchai was the uh, the. I don't think anybody fought up the way he did. Although with the the golden age records, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Fighting up was pretty common back then, but we don't have the exact weights. With Sainchai, you can like you can look up his record and see that everybody he fought pretty much he gave up like one to three pounds on them. Yeah, easily. It, it, and the the thing is, for most of the of Sencha's era, when like it's it's like kind of a, of a silver era, maybe you know, because there was a lot of competition, a lot lot of very good fighters, and um, it's funny because a lot of them were great clinchers, you know, great they, they were strong in the palm, in the muay palm, in the clinch, so that that, that was adding another layer of difficulty to. To, to what Senshai was able to do because that was kind of his kryptonite, you know. He was the the, the the good clinch fighters were able to dominate him because they were good at the clinch, but also because they were very heavier. Yes. Yeah, Senshai. It's kind of amazing that, like, like you said, he struggled in the clinch. But if you look at his his fights with most of the the great big clinchers he fought, he he was pretty even with them. I think. Um, he won the his series against Segedao Pepayatai and the um, Pet Bunchu. I think they fought like seven times. And I think it was either even or Sianchai might have won one more fight than Pet Bunchu. So these guys are like 130, 135 pounds, quite a bit taller and bigger than Sianchai. And yes. like Baba said, they were clinch specialists. And Sianchai has historically been weaker in the clinch than in other areas. And he was still super competitive with them. He won uh, Fighter of the Year, I think, in 1999, his first time. And then he won it again in, like, 10 years later, in 2008. And I think, yeah, nobody else has won the Fighter of the Year award uh, with such a gap in between. So Sianchai, he was in his prime kind of around the, like, 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s. 
and then 10 years later he won fighter of the year again which is insane in stadium muay thai you usually get like eight to ten years at the top but science longevity is kind of unprecedented the, the man is fighting for for four decades you know when uh, when um, when ed or beloved ed asked us you know what was the the most impressive thing i've seen in, in combat sports immediately i thought of, i thought of senchai because like you said it's crazy you know most of the top ties they have like yeah roughly 10 years at the top Sancho is fighting for, for his fourth decades. He's not fighting like great fighters right now, but in Thailand, from like, I don't know, maybe 1996, no, 1996 to, to 2005, he was still fighting the best stadium fighter available. And he was in the top three, top, top five. He was beating most of them. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy because no other Thai did that, you know, so... When you talk about Senshai, you need to take this in co- into consideration. Do I think is the, the the greatest of all time? Maybe it's a stretch because you, you have guys like uh, that, that that probably have are above. But when Senshai's body of work, nobody did that, and nobody ever ever will. So it's it's really kind of funny, kind of strange to to, to rank him. If you if you want to rank him, how how do you do that? I don't really know because. I'm, I'm kind of ready, you know, to to call him one of the great of all time. Like, oh yeah, I'm three. definitely on board with that. It's so hard in Muay Thai because not only do you have like a lot of guys that could really fit into that one to five role. Like, uh, obviously, Semart and Dieselnoy are usually given as the the greatest, but you have golden, like early golden age, silver age guys like Wichinoy, Pornoy, uh, Put Lorlek, and Put Padnoy Warwood. Uh, that can be up there too. And then the Golden Age had such a ridiculous amount of talent that basically anybody can fill those like four to ten slots. Um, yeah. Plus, we have so little records of those guys. Like We don't know. Not only do we not know their complete records, but there's very little tape. So you can only go back and watch like seven of Samart's fights. You can't you can't see his whole record like you can with Saiyanjai. So it's really hard to, to know where these guys fit in. With Saiyanjai, I could definitely see him top five. I think... If you forced me to sit down and make a list, obviously it would come with the caveat that we really don't have enough information about these guys to make like an actual good all-time ranking. I'd probably fit Sainchai somewhere in the four to six range. Yeah, and I think he definitely belongs right up there with the the greatest in history. Yeah, you can't deny that because I don't. I, I can't think of uh, another fighter, another Nakmoy like that, even Golden Era, all of that. That was, you know, like Senshai. If you if you look at his record, he, like he fought, he fought Sakedao in 2009, or like Pech Bonchu in 2009. He, he beat Nongo in 2009 too. So you would think, yeah, I I, I don't I can't, you know, I, I'm kind of speechless because I really admire what Senshai does. But maybe it's because you know I I grew up watching him. It's like kind of my generation, Senshai and, and, and I are like four years apart. I'm, I think it's four years older than me. And uh, I've met him, so maybe maybe that's that. But uh, basically the guy, he was supposed to be retired like any time, you know. In 2014, he's, he's 34. 2003, no, when, when was that? 2013, yeah, when he, when he fought Yod Vishar to me, that's that was crazy, you know. When they when they announced the fight, I was like, I was like no, hell no. He was still beating guys like Singdom, Kongsak, um, Nago in like 2013-2014. Kongsak won Fighter of the Year in um, 2010, I think it was, and Sainjai beat him four years after that. Yeah. A normal uh, Thailand career would have seen Sainjai retiring in like 2006, 2007. But he fought all the way until like 2014 in stadiums and was still beating top guys pretty consistently. It's really impossible to overstate how impressive that is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, that, that's the thing with him. So it, it's a special fighter and a special career. So I, I, I really want people to to, 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 to 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 comprehend that when when talking when comparing with other fighters. It's not that 
it's not that um, I like to, to compare fighters and you know to rank them because uh, I, I'd rather enjoy what, what they do but um, sometimes you have to because there are certain fighters like like people will always talk about them you know and uh, they don't want to talk about Senshai like is probably one of the greatest of all time because maybe all of the hype because he's fighting uh, f- like pharynx for for like now I don't know maybe seven years something like that seven years yeah yeah people criticize like his later career um, he's been fighting like like you said pharynx for the last uh, since basically late 2014 and there's only been a handful of like actual good guys he's fought since then and people kind of use that as a slight against him but it really really isn't he was like he's 40 now so he was like yeah. 30 like 35 34 by the time he started fighting those kind of matchups and that by that age 34 you have to realize in thailand that most guys are kind of past their prime by like 24 to 26 they start really early they get a ton of fights in by the time they're like 16 and they burn out quick so cyan chai having he basically had one and a half two full careers in stadium muay thai and now he's he's an old man just kind of enjoying himself fighting foreigners below his level but that's that's not a slight against him at all. It's just he he's already had so much more longevity than he had any right to, really. Even then, he yeah. still beat some some good competition. He fought guys like Matt Embry, Julio Lobo, who's not an elite guy right now, but he's fighting top stadium guys. He's yeah. beaten guys like Paycorn, past his prime Paycorn, but still Ben Payek, Sichev Boonthum, uh, Shadow. And that, that's a guy, he beat him in 2016, and that's a guy that's currently in, he's like main of, I think he might have had a couple lumpany main events, but he's he's high profile, and Cy and Chai styled on him in, like four years ago. Yeah, that's, it. that's the thing, because for most of the time, he, he fought like good fanings, you know, not all, all of them. In the Thai fight, yeah, obviously you got guys that are way below his level, but for most of the decade, he fought great fighters, and and those guys were, even though they were technically outmatched, they they, they are really vastly younger, and most of the time, for every time, a lot heavier because Senshai oh, yeah. has no business to do fighting at like 147. He's he's a small guy, you know. He's a lightweight. He's fought up to like 155, but having him fight foreigners his own size should be illegal. That that's just yeah. not fair. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've witnessed it, and it's not something you, you want to do, you know, because I, when I have my teammate, Yetkino School, back in the day, he had to fight Senshai. When, 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 they told, when our, our trainer told, told us this, I was like, how do, how do we approach this fight? <laughs> and I was like, Yetkin, whatever you do, don't, don't piss, piss him, him off. off. <laughs> don't piss him off, you know? Like, maybe... Be playful. Yetkin is like uh, an aggressive puncher, you know. He's, he's a good fighter. Very aggressive. Good with the fist. But basically the plan was fighting, you know, at range. Try to tread a little bit. Maybe push, push the rhythm. But be very careful because the problem with female fighters like Senshai, with technical factor like Senshai, is most of the guys tend to forget that even though they're very technical, they also hit very hard. You know, you, you can't overestimate that, underestimate that, and that's probably what Yetkin did because, at the end of the day, I couldn't travel with him. He went out there, tried to foul, tra- tried to respect the game plan at first, but then he got a little bit crazy as Senshai knocked him out. <laughs> and at the, the rematch, he did the same and broke his nose. You know, <laughs> so, and I talk about, I talked about it after, afterwards, and uh, I was like Yetkin. You know, what did you go to war with him? And he was like, because Sentra is very frustrating to, to, to fight. Because when, when when you're in there with him, it's the, the, the most helpless you can feel. That's what he said. You know, you're like, he's there, but you can hit him. And he's hitting you at will. And uh, if you have a strong mentality like he has, then you go crazy. You go crazy, but when you go crazy, it's where he's there to punish you. So... And he was, Senshai was like, yeah, I can't remember, but maybe 35, 10 years older, older than Yetkin. And Yetkin fought a lot of ties, a lot of them. 
and beat a lot of them. So that's when I, I understood, like, you know, you can you can do anything to that guy. So even though if today in 2021 20, is fighting unknown guys, probably, but those guys are like, yeah, like you said, 155 in the ring, probably more. He recently beat the dude that knocked out uh, Penpai Chipmoignan, that Brazilian guy. Maybe yeah, that was yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, exactly. But even like he, he's fighting guys who aren't like top Muay Thai fighters or anything. But some of these random guys turn out to be pretty good. And like you said, they were they're all much bigger than him. And anything he does at this point is just really icing on the cake. It's way more extra than he has to. He's already had like an all time great career. Anything he's doing now, he's just having fun. He's just like an old man looking to play around and knock some some white boys out. Yeah, but that's a, that's incredible. Ready? I'm I'm looking at that and I'm like, you know, <laughs> uh, when thinking about it and uh, because I've, I've tweeted something about it, like, I don't know, maybe maybe last year, and somebody told me, yeah, but you know, Sancha is fighting easy guys. I don't know how you can sit in your couch and, and tell me and tell me a 40 year old man is still fighting, beating these guys, and you and you, the only thing, the only takeaway you're gonna have is, yeah, but you know, he's he's much better than him. I'm 37, I, and I don't want to fight anymore, ever, <laughs> ever. You know, when I train with young guys, I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? I, I can't go like that for for five rounds. And it's sparring, you know, it's not like it's playful. So you, you got a guy here who's still fighting, knock them, knocking them out, and all of it, standing on him, smiling, laughing. You know, it's 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 just entertainment. You know, I, I when I'm bored, I'm I'm going I'm going to to his Instagram and I'm just watching <laughs> on the pads. It's, it's crazy, you know. His uh, his videos with Singdom are awesome. There's been there's a bunch yeah. where, where like Singdom will be kicking pads and Sanjay will come up and sweep them <laughs> from behind. <laughs> it's it's the most funny. It's the funniest thing on Instagram and uh, is Bromos with Bokao. It's incredible. What, what <laughs> the one where he everything. turned Bukal away from his gym. Bukal yeah. <laughs> comes and like tries to sign up to to spar and Sanchez like checks him with the thermometer and just like no get out of here. <laughs> so it, 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 like really Sanchez is, is a gem to the to the Muay Thai community, you know. And uh, even though to me is he, he retired a long time ago, it, it would be sad the real day, you know, when he says I'm I'm done, and I'm not fighting anymore because Sanchez is one of the kind, you know. I don't think you really you you'll witness something like that ever again probably that that playfulness is like kind of a thing with ties but even more with science like it's amazing to see him fight elite ties and just be very obviously having a, a ton of fun in there like he, he's not worried at all he's smiling just joking around and laughing obviously he doesn't fight the the top ties the same way he does the foreigners that he's fighting now um, like he's a lot more showy in his recent fights but even in the the high level stadium fights he's doing like cartwheel kicks and shit goofing off a little bit while still taking them very seriously, so it's amazing to see. You mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned his his punching power, how it's underrated. Uh, Chai is, I think, one of the, the the great neutralizers in combat sports. Like he has a kind of Floyd Mayweather style, where he can just make everything you do useless and then pick you off with pot shots. But even so, people who who came upon Chai recently kind of think that his fighting style is the the thing he does against foreigners, where he's goofing off, uh, doing a bunch of high-profile sweeps and uh, like cartwheel kicks and fancy shit like that. And he did that in his stadium fights, but he was much more serious there. He was more yeah. of a, a mid-range kicker, um, and he used a lot of in-and-out feinting because he was quite a bit smaller than his opponents, so he couldn't just stand at range and have like a straight-up kicking match with them. He would flit in-and-out... Uh, use footwork to to quickly cover distance when guys weren't paying attention and then kind of slide out at an angle. But in his earlier career, he was a lot more aggressive. And I think his actually, his career actually parallels Floyd Mayweather's quite a bit. If you look at, like, Pretty Boy Floyd, he was a, a big puncher, a lot more yeah. aggressive, and then he became kind of a defensive mastermind in his later career. When he moved up in weight, his hands got more brittle and he started fighting bigger fighters. It's kind of the same thing with Sian Chai. In his early yeah. career, go ahead. 
Yeah, that, that, that's the same thing to me. That's exactly the same thing to me. And uh, this is a style I, I really enjoy, but uh, this is the, the comparison is real. He, he was very, he was, like, like you said, when he was fighting early and, uh, and, and, and strong fighters, he, that's where, you know, he was shining because he was, he was showing that uh, a lot of versatility in his style. I always talk about his fight, one of his fights with uh, Atachai for Samonchai, Atachai Vertex. Back in the day when he dropped Atachai and uh, hurt him bad, he was very fighting, you know, like hard. He was female, but it was hard, you know. He was staying right in front of Atachai and uh, throwing, you know, hard punches, hard kicks. And uh, all the while, you know, being very elusive and uh, punishing with, with the counter. So, there was that switch when he became when he became a superstar back in like yeah 2005 maybe 2006 when he really took over and uh, was the mega star in Thailand and that's where I fought when he fought Singdam a lot and Orono Vorpetfun and Noparat Katkantan Noparat was a very good clincher he was a strong fighter and very hard Noparat's the only guy that ever won a series against Sainchai yeah. beat him more it's times than Sainchai beat him oh man Noparat I, I, I always when I watch Noparat fight I was thinking I would never want to fight <laughs> a man like that because... he's fucking massive too like if you look <sighs> at I think there's only one of his fights against Sainchai on YouTube but he's like twice as big as him yeah he was very too big he, he was like an octopusy you know and you can't fight someone like that, you know. It's. I, I remember when they when they went when they they made the the Kain Gadao tournament, you know, the five star fried chicken tournament. When there was Senchai, Noparat, Don Songfong, and Atachai, Sagat Pech, every 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 star at the time, at lightweight. I think it was lightweight, but uh, Senchai really was like a featherweight. He was uh, it was too heavy for him and the first first round quarterfinal they gave him no parat I, I was very sad for him because I knew he would lose and he lost he lost because it was three rounds and he can't win a fight like that yeah but still still he, he managed to to, to 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 give a good fight and Oparat was spent and couldn't win I think he lost in the semifinal or maybe Kong Pop, wasn't it yeah I guess Kong Pop, yeah 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 I think that's that so it's really awesome because, like you said, in, he had the switch and then he realized, okay, I'm fighting heavier fighter, so I'm gonna be that defensive wither. When when I can, I will throw the cutful kicks, I will smile, I will I, I will laugh, but like you said, always neutralize. He was about any he neutralize anyone. Shortly after the 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 Kayangarao tournament, he fought Jomtong Chuatana, who's very good, was very good puncher, very good boxer, with the left leg. And that fight really, it's the what you said. Really neutralized someone. Jamtong was really frustrated, you know, of the course of five rounds, he couldn't do anything. And I was like, yeah, he, if he keeps fighting like that, he can fight for for 20 years. Little did I know that he, he would really fight for 20 years, something like that. Incredible. Those kind of guys tend to have a lot of longevity in pretty much any combat sport. Like Mayweather lasts a long time. Somebody like Jose Aldo in MMA, who is focused a lot on defense and neutralizing their opponents, they tend to be able to go on past uh, where most fighters would expire by. And that style obviously afforded Sayanchai a lot of his longevity. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing how he adjusted his style, because in his early days, um, he, he still had the, the kind of in-and-out blitzing that he, he's known for now, but he, he would stick around a lot more once he got in. He, he really wanted to like draw out counters, blitz in uh, with a feint, kick the guy clean or hit him, and then force the guy to counter and then keep countering their counters. So you'd see a lot of sequences in his fights with guys like Adichai and uh, Nungibon where he would, yeah. he'd get in, kick them, and then they'd be forced to counter, and then he could, he could just keep countering. He would catch their kick, sweep it aside, kick them in the body, wait for them to try and kick him again, and then block it, check it, or slip it or something, and then kick back. So he'd constantly be entering with feints, getting one step ahead of the guy, and then countering their counter. And no matter how many counters they threw, he was always kind of one step ahead. He had incredible yeah. depth in exchanges. Uh, you would see him like throwing kicks and immediately drawing his leg back into a floating block without touching it down, and he could just keep doing that forever, just kicking and blocking with the same leg, uh, always on balance. And then in his later fights, instead of 
trying to get guys to throw back at him so he could constantly counter in exchanges. He was he would do the same feinting and blitzing in and out, but he would focus more on neutralizing their counter. So he would look to enter the clinch and then push off, uh, yeah. or he would exit on an angle. And his defensive skills kind of became even more prominent in his later days. If you look at his fights with uh, Singdom especially, Singdom is one of the best kickers um, in Muay Thai. He, he was He's famous for that excellent rear kick. And he had a real hell of a time landing it on Sain Chai. Not only yeah, his, yeah, it, yeah. his balance uh, on his checks, he's always kind of uh, with his weight perfectly distributed to pick up either leg and check right away. And his, his control of distancing was so amazing too. So it was really hard for kickers to get any play on him. Um, the, his fight with uh, Nungsiam Fairtex comes to mind uh, as a particularly strong performance against a kicker where he would set up just outside of Nungsiam's kicking range and it basically just shut down Nungsiam's ability to do anything because Sian Chai was constantly just one little step out of range. So when he tried to kick, Sian Chai could just back up and when he tried to enter with punches to close that gap, Sai and Chai would just slide back, kick him on the counter, and then slide out before he could do anything. So it's just incredible to watch. Yeah, yeah. See, it shows the, the, the kind of depth of, of skill uh, he had, he, he, he was possessing, and, uh, and, and, and that's why he could fought that long elite fighters like that. Because most of those guys, when they fought each other, they like, they fought a lot of time each other, but uh, they were kind of the same fight every time. See, if you watch fights like Oronova, um, Pechpun, and Singdam, or things like that, they, they were basically you, you would know who would fight, who would win because they, they, they weren't trying to, to neutralize each other. It, it, it was more of, yeah, I know how to do, I'm a kicker, I, I will kick you, and the other guy, yeah, and I'm a boxer, so. I box. I, I will box you a lot, and uh, we'll see what the judges came out with, you know. But Sancha, it, it was way bigger than that. He was way way ahead of that, and uh, he was able to, to change the style. And if he even if he had like five fights with the same guys, you can tell they were they were never really the same fight. One thing that comes to mind is when I was the the last time I was in Thailand in 2007, he fought and lost to Oronov Pechpun for the Lumpini title. And uh, Orono really dominated that day, you know. It was crazy because Senchai, yeah, Senchai could lose. He lost some fights, but he wasn't, like, dominated like that. And uh, Orono did that time. And I was like, yeah, maybe maybe it's time for him. Maybe it's over, you know. Maybe it's finished. In like, 2006. <laughs> and, uh, like, two, three fights later, he fought Orono and uh, completely turned the table. He dominated, like, crazy. And uh, Orono conceded like in the middle of the fourth round. It was like, yeah, okay, you're you, you much better this time. I won't fight anymore. So like half of the fourth round and the fifth and the fifth round, they, they didn't even fought. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, you 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 you're better. The gamblers were okay. Everybody was okay, and uh, they let the, they let the fight go. So the 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 way he's able to 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 adapt. Just like Mayweather, just like you did, because to me that's kind of the same thing, you know. Even though Senshai is is popular because he's the funny guy and things like that, there's a lot of guys, you know, that don't enjoy watching Senshai. They say, you know, yeah, he's technical, but he's, he's not doing that much, you know. Yeah, he's he's messing around but not fighting. And people, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like Mayweather because maybe because of his antics, antics like that, but. Me, I don't care. I watch when he in the ring, and uh, what Mayweather did the last ten years of his career was—it's—it's it's amazing to me. You know, it's amazing because he was barely hit by anyone in like ten years. So much that uh, people do videos on YouTube on the one punch Maidana landed on Mayweather. <laughs> like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> you need to do a video of that, like one punch. And sometimes it's basically the, basically the same. Back in the days in the forums, they were like, oh, you know, he, he, he ate a middle kick right now. Yeah, that's one middle kick in 10 fights. Come on, man. You need yeah, to recognize. Like, I, I see why people would not enjoy watching a style that's not as active. But for me, if you're able to, to play that kind of neutralizing style against the best offensive fighters in the world consistently, there's obviously something deeper there. It's not... 
like the ways in which he neutralizes people and prevents them from getting anything going are so interesting. One thing that I, I didn't mention when we were talking about that was his sweeps too, which play a big role. Yeah. Um, anybody trying to kick him, obviously, there's a big risk of getting your your kick caught or him just sweeping your plant foot out from under you. Uh, he he even knocked out Kem. Uh, it was yeah, it was Kem with a sweep. He caught his kick uh, and then just like stepped in and threw him ass over tea kettle. He landed on his head and knocked himself out. The, 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 when I saw that, because I wasn't big on the you know catch and the and sweep, uh, but when I saw that, I was like, yes. were you a kicker? You didn't like yeah. guys sweeping. <laughs> I mean, you can knock out someone, but sweeping? Oh man, you, you need to sweep everyone. That 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 thing you know was crazy because again, Kem was much bigger, much 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 bigger in the fight. It was crazy. I don't. I, I don't know what what the weights were at the time. I, I can't remember. But uh, he was very very bigger, and he, he used that against Cam. And when you see that, you. I, I can't imagine when you have to be in the ring with him because uh, maybe you're afraid to kick. You're you're afraid to be at close range. You're afraid to be at range. Uh, he can't fight. He, can, he could fight at every range basically and every kind of fight so like you said it's it's more than just the guy's technical it's more like that there is a lot to that he's a smart fighter a very a thinking fighter and i don't i it's not like there's a lot of fighters that are thinking when i'm fighting of course but when i watch muay thai today i feel like a lot of them are more in the mechanics you know like they 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 are not thinking as much. They are of course some of the some of them, but uh, you you realize that when they when they go up in weight, and uh, it's more difficult to, to to fight those guys because they they're more heavier than you. You, yeah, you need to be smarter. Really and, uh, they just kind of keep trying the, the same things they were doing at the lower weight. Exactly. When you watch when you watch Song Money, for example. He has a hard time to 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 adapt to those guys because he's still going forward and still kicking, and you know, still acting like he's a uh, he's big or maybe bigger or maybe as strong as the guy. And uh, the, you you need to be smarter to 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 do something like that. And that he wasn't able to. It's like many Pacquiao, for example, because Pacquiao is a fast fighter, you know, yeah, all of that. But Manny is a smart fighter too. Because you need to do that from I don't know what was the the, the first weight, maybe flyweight something like that, to to welterweight. No man, you need to be you, you need to be smart to 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 put off something like that. Not and that just really shows up. how amazing Sanchez is. Because somebody like um, Sangmini, like you mentioned, Sangmini is an incredible fighter, one of the best of his generation, and he was incredibly successful uh, not only at his natural weight, but he even beat quite a few really strong opponents up in weight. But he didn't have anywhere near the, the consistent success that Sainjai did. Sainjai yeah. was able to to basically maintain almost the same level of domination even when he was fighting way above his weight class, which is really extremely rare. Uh, I think another thing about him that, that makes him stand out is how incredibly well-rounded he is. Back in the, the golden era, most fighters were a lot more well-rounded than they are today. Even like the the Famuse were absolute beasts in the clinch. Um, clinchers were were very strong kickers and fighters on the outside. Nowadays, fighters are kind of more specialized. Like a lot of times, you'll see you'll see somebody new come up and win like three fights, and you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. And then he fights a clincher, and you're just like, oh, okay, he can't clinch at all. Yeah. Um, would have fit in a lot better with the skill sets of the golden era than he would have with the modern era. He was insanely well-rounded he had the he could kick with guys like Singdom. he could especially in his early career he was a huge puncher he didn't often sit down on big punches but when he needs to uh he was really good at it he dropped uh sarissa channel taxi meter with a punch sarissa yeah. channel uh won a boxing gold medal and i think the 2003 or 04 olympics something like that yeah 04 yeah he boxed uh, Sega Dao's face-off in a couple of those fights where he couldn't do his normal kicking on the outside thing because Sega Dao was constantly marching him down, forcing the clinch, teeping him to the ropes. So he adjusted instead and just boxed his head off. And that's a guy that's, again, way bigger than him and a very strong clincher. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like you said, you, he showed that to, 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 to everything, everyone, every kind of opponent, so that's that's basically all there is to say about Senchai, that he, that's why, you know, it's a, again, it's a, it's a touchy topic among, among Muay Thai fight, fans, like those who watched a lot of, of fights of the Golden Era, I think, because, you know, yeah, Like, my, you guys, you, you, you have the, the Samat, the Dezelnoy, the, the Karuat, the Oleg at one way, the uh, Sachai, you know, a lot of fighters. You, you can name maybe 30 fighters that you, you, you would say, you know, because they were in the Golden Era, they're all better than Senchai. But I'm not ready to, to, to say that. I'm not ready to say that. I, I won't say if Senchai was in the Golden Era. He would have been beaten the bricks of him by every fighter of the Golden Era, you know. For sure, yeah. I think there's a there's a trend in a lot of combat sports of kind of bemoaning the the current era and saying that the the earlier eras were better. And in Muay Thai, it's actually largely true. Uh, like if you look at the Golden Era and the elite fights today, the competition level is quite a bit better. They had a lot more uh, a lot more talent going into it. There was just more people doing Muay Thai. Yeah. The payouts were quite a bit higher, but that doesn't mean that nobody in, in today's era would fit back then. Um, I think if you look at a lot of the elites, it strikes me as being mostly true. Where I, I would see somebody like, um, I don't know, who's an elite fighter today, like even like Ranachai Toramintra, who's really great and well-rounded. Uh, I'd struggle to see him competing with some of the better fighters in the golden era who were, like even the... The ones that kind of matched up with his skill set in kicking range, which is his primary thing, were just better at other areas. But I really don't think that's true with Sainchai. Obviously, yeah. he had he was less good in the clinch than he was everywhere else. But not only was he clinching with much bigger guys that we mentioned, but he was still quite competitive with guys like um, Segetau and Pet Bunchu there. He wasn't beating them in the clinch, but he was he was able to hold his own. He was able to defend well. And his his clinch throws and sweeps were really strong, which would have helped him a lot. Yeah. And in terms of like everything else, he if you look at Golden Age guys, sure they're better than people from the modern era, but with Saiyanchai, his skill is just so insane that he, they don't strike me as on another level to him at all. Um, like the way he he was fainting in and out with kicks, uh, his his ability to to adjust especially. His, his, if you look at his series with uh, Singdom Kiatmukau, the adjustments they both made are insane. Um, in, in their, we don't have their, I think their first two or three fights. I couldn't find those on YouTube, but the fights we do have in the first one, Singdom kind of shuts Sainchai's footwork down completely. Sainchai isn't able to get his feints working. Um, whenever he tries to take an angle, Singdom just kind of smoothly turns with him, blocks his kick, and then kicks on the counter. And then in the second fight. Sainchai stopped doing his in-and-out blitzing thing and advanced much more steadily, maintaining his stance so he could force Singdom to throw the kicks at him and then counter him. Uh, and he ended up winning that fight largely off sweeps, where he would kind of bait Singdom into kicking or coming forward aggressively and then sweep him in the clinch or kick his foot out from under him when he was kicking. And then in their their third and fourth fights, there's they, they kind of went back and forth with that, where each fighter would take the thing that the other guy did in the previous fight and then build off of it and kind of learn how to how to beat them again. And that's something that you really see from the, the elites in the golden era. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 to me, to me, Sensei is cut from the cl same clothes of, uh, as those guys. I, I, I understand that uh, there are not like, there are not 10 fighters that, who, that could have Held their own in the in the golden era, but uh, I'm convinced that Sensei could have maybe not against anybody, okay? Because you imagine Sensei fighting something like someone like Dieselnoy, you would yeah, have died. There would be bad style <laughs> matchups for sure. He would have died, of course. But Dieselnoy is, is unfair though. That's a cheat code. Exactly. You can't say like this guy wouldn't be Dieselnoy. <laughs> 
So, but aside from a, a guy like that, yeah, he probably would have done well. He fought one of those guys, maybe even if he was at the end. And and uh, to be fair, he knocked out Senshai, but Senshai won the rematch. It's Tongshai Tortilasai. Yes. And uh, Tongshai was 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 one of those guys of the golden era, you know. And uh, when he knocked him out, you know, Senshai was like 15 or 16, I don't know. And uh, he was able to 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 avenge to avenge that loss a couple of years later, something like that. So it's not a testament of how he would have fared against any one of the golden era, but I believe he would have would have probably done well. He did the same thing against uh, Nungiban Sittler Chai too. Where uh, I think in the in 1999 he lost to to Nungibon for the 118 pound title Lumpany title yeah. and then beat him in a rematch. And again, Nungibon was late career; he was past his prime, uh, but still he's one of those golden age legends. And you can see just through that that Sainchai would have been competitive there, even if Nungibon wasn't at his best. And I think even if he did struggle a lot with guys like Lam Namun or um, somebody like Nam Saknoi who, if you watch his fight with Nam Saknoi, you can see where a lot of those those struggles would have come in against stronger Golden Age clinchers, yeah. but he would have learned how to fight them. Uh, he, the best clinchers he was fighting were like Pep Bunchu, Yadvicha, and... Um, said his name a bunch, but I'm forgetting it now. Sekitao Papayatai. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're obviously not at the level of Golden Age clinchers, but Sainchai was still able to adjust consistently and take the lessons that he learned from those fights and use it in rematches. So if he was consistently fighting guys like Lam Namun, Nam Saknoi, um, etc., I, I have no doubt that he would have learned how to adjust to those styles. Like, obviously, he would have lost a lot more if he was fighting in the Golden Age than now, but that that's not really, that doesn't detract from him at all. In, in Muay Thai, losses are expected. Nobody goes undefeated. It's extremely rare for fighters to have even an undefeated year. Yeah. Because they're just fighting so much high-level competition constantly. All the Golden Age legends, except basically Diesel Noy, lost a lot because they were so constantly fighting amazing competition. Yeah, you, you, you can't you can you can't go undefeated in Muay Thai. When the first time I went to Thailand, I was in the in the jockey gym. And uh, I was talking to Pipa. Pipa is the legendary trainer of the of the Jockey Gym. Jockey Gym is where was Senshai and uh, and Silapatai and uh, Danny Bill and Georges uh, Skarbowski and uh, other fighters like that. And uh, I asked Pipa about about undefeated records. You know, I was like, Do you know what I fight out that went undefeated for a long time? Or no? And his answer was, You know, if there was a, a fighter that went undefeated for like, you know, seven fights, eight fights, people would say it's weird and it's the yeah. gamblers. So the, that was the, the answer. I was basically saying you can't go undefeated. You, you have to lose because everyone will, will find that suspect, you know, because the level is so high and you fought, will fought people that are roughly the same level. So you 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 will some and you lose some. So, you know, it's mandatory. And if you do have an insane streak like that, they just force you up or force you to fight um, yeah. like at more of a weight disadvantage, more difficult competition. Um, so you see guys that are dominant at lower weights, they just stop getting booked at guys against those weights because there's the odds aren't right. Nobody will bet on the opponent and they want to facilitate that kind of exchange of gambling. So they won't just let you dominate at like 115 pounds forever. Eventually, they're going to be like, hey, we're not going to put you against small guys anymore. You got to fight this giant ass clincher. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's the thing. Because if you do, if you if you if you that dude, you at the end of the day, you you won't fight. You, you won't find any fight, any meaningful fight. That's what happened to to someone like Kam Singh, for example. Someone like was so good when he was fighting Muay Thai that uh, they, they didn't let me let, let him fight for the belt for the Olympic belt because. They, they were they were like yeah it's probably unfair because you will beat everyone at the weight and you will keep the belt forever and there were other guys like that like Namsaknoi he kept the belt the Lupini belt for like six years if I'm if I'm correct yeah for six years the lightweight belt and one day they they were like okay so give up the belt because uh, you know there's no point at, uh, at, at there's no point you to, to to keep fighting on that 
they, they looked at the rankings and they were like, yeah, yeah, they won't beat you. They won't beat you. You beat every one of them. So give up the belt and go fight uh, somewhere else. And <laughs> even with that, like in the in the st- tales where guys hold the belt for like six years, most of them still end up losing fights in between. Like Nam Saknoy, he held, I think, yep. the Lumpany 135 belt for years and years. But he, he lost to Samcor twice in between uh, when he won and gave up the 135 belt. He lost to Narapal and I think Mong yeah, Kong. I so he was fighting at different weights and losing to guys there. So going undefeated for any stretch is yeah, you can't, pretty you much can't. unheard of. Uh, I, I, I think uh, the thing is, the, the at one point they will they they will be like you know you're winning and all of that, but we need you to lose. So we'll yeah. bring someone. We'll bring someone to that will beat you. With Namsak, no, that was Narupal because Narupal was the young guy. He was he was you know he was on the rise, but Narupal was heavy. You know everyone was everyone knew that that guy couldn't couldn't. I think he was fighting super lightweight. That's super lightweight, like, like 140, yeah. And uh, Namsak Noy was lightweight, but they, they made the fight. And at, at first, uh, I believe I believe Narupol had to wait like 147, and Namsak Noy had to be like 140. And yeah. finally, they, they did the fight at 140, but Namsak Noy was like 135. So if they need you to lose, you will lose. And it's not like it's rigged. It's just... They they will find the right fighter with the right weight to beat you. So the way titles are booked are really weird too. I've never really got a read on why or how title matchups are made. There's a lot of politics involved in it that I don't really understand. Like if you follow Muay Thai consistently today, a lot of times they'll they'll have two two guys fighting for a title, and you're like, what what are they doing? This other guy is on like a five fight win streak. He's beaten way better competition. But there's like something with promoters or uh, who the fighter has in their corner that gets them title shots. I also think that um, the stadium titles aren't really thought of in the way that, like UFC or I don't I don't know about enough about boxing to say, but they're not really viewed in the same way that UFC titles are, where everybody in the division is like that's the most important thing that they're thinking of, and that that's what fans use to weigh how good you are. Like if you've won a title, Lumpany and Raj Damner titles are obviously great. They're the highest level titles in Muay Thai, but there's more of a focus on just who you've beaten. Often the the title holder won't be considered the best fighter in the division, um, and like the fighter, it's not uncommon for fighter of the year awards to go to guys who didn't even get a title shot for whatever reason. Yeah. So the, the titles aren't really the be all and end all of that. Yeah, that's what's funny about it because at one time you you know that. Uh, Having the Lupini belt and the Rashadana belt is like the you know the, the greatest thing you can achieve in Thailand. But at the same time, if you if you're good and uh, you're on the rise, you will fight the best guys available. Even though if it's not for a belt, and uh, everyone will recognize that at the, at that moment you're the best. And uh, that's that guarantees that even though there are those belts, there's no problem you know to have the the, the best you know that they will make the best fight possible at that moment. Every time. Every time they get the chance, not only they will do the best fight available, but they, they will do it like twice or maybe thrice <laughs> if, if, if needed in one year. So, And uh, no matter if the guy is uh, in the Lumpini or in the Rajadamnan, you know, no, that, that's not a problem. You know, you got Lumpini guys that are fighting in the Rajadamnan and, uh, and the other one. one so that, that's... You know, basically, what is awesome in Muay Thai, and that's why I have so much a hard time with the other sports because I'm first and foremost a Muay Thai guy. I always followed Muay Thai, and uh, whether it's in Thailand or in France or in Holland, in Europe in general, I'm used to 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 watch the best the best fighters fight fight each other. You know, in Muay Thai, every time. But when you watch kickboxing. And uh, boxing and MMA, it's different because uh, there's not as much, basically, there's not as much politics in MMA that there are in Thailand and Muay Thai, but in Thailand, you will always have the best fight available. Part of it, I think, is that like the fighters have so much less power, which in one respect is really bad for them, but it's kind of great for us 
because we get to see them just constantly smashed against the best in the world. That's that's the like that's the boxing. You can't you can't like make a boxing fight without like going to Great Lakes to pacify your stars. Yeah. yeah, they have to get like the right purse split and everything. Muay Thai will just be like, okay, you get 10k, fight this guy on a, a seven fight win streak, 10 pounds bigger than you. It, it, that's basically it. So, you at one point you reach uh, a moment in your fandom of Muay Thai when you're like, you know, that's awesome. I always get the best fights, but I know they fight for peanuts. I know that, and uh, I know they don't have very a choice. Maybe even though some some guys like Senshai or Namsaknoi or Boakau, they they were strong enough, you know, to at one point choose for themselves. It's not true from Namsaknoi because the, the 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 moment he left Por the Porporamuk, he didn't fought. I think he fought maybe one time or two times after that. Yeah, his story is actually pretty sad. I think he was um not doing too great after he left Porporamuk. Yeah, and I think he yeah, recently yeah. opened up his own gym, but I I haven't heard too much more about that. He opened he opened his gym like two years ago, but uh, I heard he he had to give it up, and uh, now I think he joined a gym to be a trainer. Okay. Yeah, like recently, like uh, in the months uh, prior, something like that. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's complicated, you know. Senshai was able to 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 leave to to, to leave Samurai Kamsing, but uh, because he went to to to, to the thirteen coins resort and the thirteen coins owner. Uh, is like uh, I don't know maybe a billionaire or something like that. So that was that was different uh, than Paparamuk, the guy Paparamuk, uh, the promoter. Maybe that man is really hard to deal with. So that that that's when you you know you're a fan and you loved it. You 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 love the sport, but you have that and you say yeah, that's unfair to the guys because. You're entertained like crazy, but when you you start to understand what what's going on in the shadows, it makes it it can make it difficult, you know, to to, to root for the spot. Yeah, it is kind of hard to reconcile that that idea of how fighters are treated with the the results it produces. But it's always great when you hear stories of guys like Buka and Sainjai who can uh, kind of exceed that and become their own superstars. And the like you mentioned how Muay Thai will just make the same fight like seven times if they need to. That's one of my favorite things about the sport. Um, if you watch uh, like MMA or boxing, maybe less so in boxing, but especially in MMA, like two stars will fight, and one will knock the other guy out in like the second round, and everyone will be like, "Oh, okay, that's settled. He's better than him." Whereas Muay Thai yeah. will be like, "Okay, can you do it again? Can you do it three times?" <laughs> and that it produces such amazing rivalries that you don't really see in most other combat sports, um, especially bringing it back to Saiyanchai, like the kind of the, the the thing that most evokes what Saiyanchai is for me are his rivalries with his with guys like um, Pebunchu, Segedao, um, Singdom, etc. You can see over the course of like seven fights how these guys adjust their games to beat the other one um, and how they how they go back and forth. It's just, I haven't seen that from any other combat sport, and the rivalries are undoubtedly the best thing about Muay Thai, I think. By, by far, by far. And uh, I, I, I don't know what, what anyone would say, but uh, that's, the, the, that's the essence of a rivalry, you know? That uh, you ha- it, it has to be a lot. Uh, I grew up with siblings. I have two brothers and one, and one sister, but with my two brothers, we were very competitive. And if you want to know who's the best, it's not on one occasion, you know. It's, it's, you need to do it a lot to, to, to maybe be able to say, yeah, okay, I'm, be- I'm better than you because I beat you like uh, five times at the, at the cars or things like that. And uh, it, with the fighting, it's it's kind of the same, you know, because I I love other, other style of fighting. Maybe you, you had that at one point in K1, Particularly in K1 World Max because the roster was like very narrow. There wasn't like a lot of fighters, so basically every year you knew that they they, they would fight. But when when you you look back, the K1 World Max was like 10 years long, and uh, the most the most the, 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 the 
the longest rivalry maybe is Masato and uh, and who I don't even know who, who fought more than three times. Yeah, I, I I'd have to look to look at it. But Masato fought people. Yeah, Cross maybe Albert Cross. Yeah, they fought four times. So it has to be the the most. So they fought they, they fought four times. But other than that, they fought at best two times. They had a fight and a rematch, maybe a rubber match. But that's it. And in Muay Thai, like you said, in two years because they are both in the prime, you will see the guys fight seven times. And it, out of seven times, you will know who's the best. <laughs> and that's awesome. Yeah, it leaves no questions unanswered. It proves definitively like how they deal with those kind of style matchups and who the, the better fighter in that matchup is. And it gives the fighters so much more opportunity to show the depth in their game. Like if you're watching the, the fourth fight between two guys who know each other extremely well and know exactly what the other is going to try to do to them, there's there's just another level of depth uh, in to seeing how they... They bring out their tools in order to shut the other guy's game down when they're so familiar with it. Like to you, to bring it back to an MMA example, if you're if you're matching up Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovski for like the seventh time, they're gonna show off so much more depth in their games than if you just make Max beat up Cater a bunch of times or Volkanovski beat up Ortega. Oh, definitely. I mean, well, I, I saw that. I I I, 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 I what can I say? I, I did say that on Twitter, and uh, people kind of give me shit for that. <laughs> because, yeah, I said, the only thing I want to watch after the, 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 the after the, the rematch between uh, Max and Volkanovski was another one. Yeah. I said, to me, it's the only logical fight. And people were like, no, because, you know, Ortega, something like that. Uh, I was like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you just witnessed a fantastic fight, and you want to see something else? No. I want I, I want him to get it again. Give him three months to rest and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I say three months. I'm, I'm can't because three months because I know MMA because people fight. Three like months is generous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you, you, they need to fight a lot of times. So because they are both in the prime now. Max Holloway took a lot of punishment in his career. You know, his prime will be over soon. Maybe in two years, three years from now. So. They, they, they need to fight again. I will be very frustrated if we don't see that fight again. But because sure. it's MMA, I know it's possible we never see that fight again. Yeah, the, the thing with MMA especially is that guys fight like two, three times a year. So it's from from a perspective of that sport, it does make sense where you wouldn't want to see the same matchup over and over again because then the guys will kind of end up not not getting fresh matchups and we won't really see how Max or Volkanovski deal with other guys in their primes. With Muay Thai, they fight so frequently that it really makes sense to just match them up over and over again. If you're having like seven fights in one year, then fighting one guy three or four times, especially when you have those really close, competitive, interesting fights, makes a lot of sense and still gives you room to to fight other guys. That, that, that's what I said. Dana should go full Muay Thai in his, you know, in his, <laughs> in his way of ending the like 80%. Exactly, because not only the uniform. You need to, 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 to make them farm like ties, you know. You, you call them and you fight. He's going. He's doing this with the dude who's fighting this weekend against the Vettori. I, I forgot his name. <laughs> Kevin Holland, yeah. How many fights he fought in 2020? Like five times? Maybe something like that. I don't, I I don't remember. Right, yeah. but he fought a lot. So you need to do that, you know. You, you need to make them fight. I know... Like, how can I say that? People will say I'm crazy because I want them to fight them more and that they don't have the, the right pay and things like that. You know, you, you, they need to be healthy. MMA is a different sport. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm joking and also I'm not joking. <laughs> I really want them to be more active and that that's why, you know, Muay Thai will always be my first love and probably my only love. I'm like a casual fan of MMA because... You know, that someone like Izzy Adesanya, I need him to fight at least three times a, a year. That's, he's still doing that right now. That's, so I'm good with that. But at some point, I know he will slow down and only fight maybe two times, one time. So that's, that, that, that's kind of why I didn't want him to, to go to MMA. I don't care if he loses or something like that. It's just the good fighters, I want them to fight often. If they can, that that's what drives me as a, as a fan, you know. And uh, 
I know I, I I know I know much because I had a short career myself as a fighter. I only fought like three years, if I'm correct, three four years. But I managed to fight sixty times almost. Goddamn. Roughly sixty times, yeah, roughly. So I know it's hard on the body and things like that, etc. But you need to be active to 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 get to your prime. So I'm really glad that in Muay Thai it's still the case and they're still fighting and uh, I know it's a different sport I know it's different on the body and uh, all things like that but it's still the, 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 the best way to me as a fan to, to enjoy a sport because like you said I will always have like um, I, I will always know who's the best at one point in Muay Thai sure the, the frequency of fights in Muay Thai, too, gives them the opportunity to like accomplish so, so much more in one year. Uh, like, if you're trying to pick a fighter who had the most impressive year in across all combat sports, for me, it's usually going to be somebody in Muay Thai, because you just have an opportunity to do so much more. Like in 2009, Chai beat Nong Oh, he beat Pepunchu twice, he beat Sagatau, and Liam Harrison, the random white guy in there. Uh, yeah. Like, four elite wins over, like, top ties... You don't. You rarely see something like that in any other combat sport. No, no, you you, you can't see that. You can't see that. In order, in order fight, you, you will need two fights to 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 be declared the, the the best fighter of the year, and maybe four time four fights, maybe four meaningful wins in the course of two years, to be deemed of one of the greatest of all times. You, you see, you you see that all the time in MMA. You know. And I think like, if there is a downside to that, it's that um, a lot of times you don't really get the opportunity to go through recovery cycles. Uh, so often in Muay Thai, you'll see fighters have a really off year where you can, there's a couple points in like Sangmini's career where he lost like six in a row. And it's not super uncommon for top fighters to just look really, really bad for, for like seven months or a year before they get back into form. So you do see guys kind of going through those boom and bust cycles more than in other sports. Because there's there's just so much more opportunity to see when they're at a when they're at a weak point when they're not at their peak, yeah. and it can be harder with that. But looking at Sainjai's career, it makes it even more impressive that he never had that. Like there was never really a downswing in his career. He never went through that period of like four or five consecutive losses. Whenever he lost, he immediately he usually won an immediate rematch and figured the other guy out. Yeah. But even if he didn't, he would snap back into top form really quickly. Yeah, most of the time, if he if he if he lost the fight, the the next the very next fight he would he would win. It uh, most of the time it was like that, so it's it's even more impressive. And um, yeah, the the thing with the the Thai fighters, if it's like from from seven year old something like that to to the end of the career, if they are not fighting, they are training. And at one point, it will have it will take a toll on your body and uh, mostly on your on your on your mental health, you know, because you're always pushing, always training. Even though in Thailand, uh, on the contrary of the most the, the belief of the most people, you you're not training really hard all the time or every day. It's not like that. Most of the time, you're working on your technique. And things like that. And when you have a fight, yeah, you're pushing hard and you you do cardio stuff and things like that. But still, you're you're training six days a week and for like ten years, and you're fighting every month for ten years. So at one point, it will take a toll, and you you you, you will face you know downsides and uh, and losing streaks and and things like that. So in wrapping up, uh, what are some of the, the most important or most interesting fights you'd recommend our viewers watch from Sainchai? I love his fights with Atachai Fatex because Atachai is another one of my favorite fighters alongside Nam Saknoi from this era. So I would say I would say I would recommend Atachai and uh, the series on with Singdam because like you said, every fight with Singdam, you see one of them make the adjustments and fight a different fight and things like that and it's really awesome because to me that's the essence of that's the essence of the of the Muay Thai and uh, and because he fought a lot of uh, pharynx I would uh, I would recommend some of his fights against pharynx and um, the, the fight with Liam Morrison 
is kind of nice. And uh, yeah, maybe the fight will was Liam Morrison. Yeah, not yet Kino score because he's my teammate and uh, it's it's ours a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think um, for me, his series with Singdom is kind of the really gets to the essence of what Sainjai is. It's if you like like legitimate uh, chess matches, not like a Darren Till chess match where they just stare at each other from range and do nothing. Yeah. Um, it's really great to see them just constantly adjusting and using really high-level erudite tactics to score on on somebody who's amazing defensively. Because both Sainjai and Singdom are incredibly balanced, incredibly composed, and extremely difficult to score on. So seeing... It's amazing to see how both guys adjust to score on one of the best defensive fighters of their era. Most of my favorite Sainjai fights are from his early career. Uh, I really like the Sarissa Chanelai Sasa Prathajims fight. Um, yeah. Just, I was going to say just search Sarissa Chanelai, but that doesn't <laughs> really help. Uh, Sarissa Chanelai is other, also known as Weijan Ponlet. He's the guy who won a, a boxing gold medal in like 2003 or 2004 in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, it's a really high action fight. Sainjai is super aggressive. Um, I love the Adachai fights as well. His fight with Nungibon Sitlerchai is great. I don't know if they have both of them. I think they might only have the, the one that Nungibon won, but it's back and forth, uh, really active and interesting. The Nam Soknoi fight is great too, although that is obviously Sainjai losing. But yeah. it shows both where where Sainjai was most vulnerable and especially how great Nam Soknoi was. It's just a great action fight all around. In terms of his later fights, I think probably the most exciting is his series with... I keep having trouble with this guy's name. Uh, I, I, I know him. He's one of my favorite clinchers of the modern era. But Segetau Papayatai, that's it. Yeah. Uh, he fought him, I think, five times and they were all really exciting Sainjai does a lot of heavy punching in these fights, which he doesn't do in in too many others. He's usually focused more on like footwork and kicking. But with Sagatau swarming him in the clinch, he really had to kind of sit down and put heat on him. And Sagatau does a lot of interesting active clinching as well. So those are all really fun. Um, yeah, I think really you can't go wrong with any of Sainjai's fights against top ties. But some of them, uh, like the, the Kongsak fights and the Nango fights might not be to the taste of people who aren't big Muay Thai fans because they're kind of there's a lot of like really Muay Thai specific tactics in those and they're kind of just like fencing to land kicks uh, which you might not find too interesting unless you're a big Muay Thai fan but if you're if you're coming in from like a background in MMA or kickboxing then I'd really recommend especially the Adachai fights those are all really active they're both doing damaging work and there, it, I think it would make more sense to somebody who's familiar with MMA or kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend checking out yeah. the Adachai fights. Definitely. Do you have anything else you want to bring up before we wrap up? Nope. <laughs> awesome. Anything you're working on or want to promote? Uh, not at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, thanks for joining us guys. Thanks for coming on, Baba. I had a great time. Thank you very much. This is an art of boxing you would all love to Suck them hard with your soul and then kick out and all. Ah.